once we started removing meat from our plate, I actually thought my horizon expanded in terms of what's out there. I started using foods that I'd never considered trying before. And that's very interesting, you know, and I think that's what I always advise people when they say like, you know, what's, what did you find useful or what's, if someone just wants to get started in being vegetarian or vegan, I always say just focus on what you, what the new things you can have and don't focus on what you cannot have anymore. That was Michaela Grobe, founder and shopkeeper of Riverdale, a vegan cheese and fine food boutique in the heart of Brooklyn's Prospect Heights. Welcome to episode 37 of the YTP. I'm Jess, your host, and if you are returning, we thank you for your continued support. And if this is your first time listening, we thank you for your support and congratulate you on tuning into the show where we share stories of people looking, finding, and living their purpose every single week. Congratulating you may seem a little silly, But I think it's totally reasonable because simply by finding the YTP means there is a curiosity within you that has led you to invest your time in finding out more about the people who are living courageously, taking risks, some more calculated than others, and finding adventure in this life. Michaela Grobe is one of those people. Michaela held a job for many years that on paper added up in a way that made sense. A job that you would never quit, especially to start a cheese shop. But after a while, her big corporate position, the one that she once loved, no longer filled her happiness quota. And so she started to get curious about the void she was feeling in her heart. She could sense that change was coming. Admittedly more methodical than intuitive, Michaela took it slow. She nurtured her calling for change by carefully planning out her next step. She spent time figuring out what that next step would be, and how she would make her transition. She did not just jump ship. She took her time, all the while, the call from her heart to create something new grew stronger. Inspired by a void in the vegan marketplace for quality-aged artisan cheese and the realization that no one in New York City was offering this, Riverdale was born. Michaela left her high-paying corporate position where she oversaw 350 employees, 20 offices, and traveled 80% of the year to settle into the challenges and joys of small business ownership. We met up with Michaela and her pack of rescue animals at her beautiful home in Brooklyn last August during our cross-country Ride the High Vibe tour. But first, we made a trip to Riverdale. I am an ex-cheeseaholic. Like Michaela and so many other vegans, cheese was the last to go for me, so I was beyond excited to dive in. Literally, when I was a cow's milk cheeseaholic, I used to say that I could dive into a grilled cheese sandwich and eat myself out of it. Even BJ, a non-cheeseaholic that I tried to convert for many years, had a brightness in his eyes over the thought of demystifying the stigma of vegan cheese. So off we went from Manhattan, lugging our podcast equipment in 95 degree heat for miles as we made our way to the shop. And once we got there, we indulged, ordering classic sandwiches from her selection like Caprese and the all-American grilled cheese. Yeah, that one was for me. Plus, we grabbed a baguette and a delicious cashew-based soft cheese to snack on while we waited. Filled to the gills, we headed over to Michaela's, only to be welcomed with a gorgeous cheese board that she prepared for us. Thankfully, we recorded our conversation first, And then we all put a hurt on the most exquisite nut and soy cheeses that have ever graced our palates. 
Riverdale is absolutely worth the trip. Whether you live in the New York City area or you're heading in for the day, do not miss the world of possibility that Michaela has opened up for vegans and non-vegans alike. And now, without further ado, I welcome you into our conversation with Michaela Grobe, Riverdale's nurturer, founder, and shopkeeper. All right, well, let's jump in. So why don't we start by you letting us know what's on that amazing board right there. Okay, so we have, so I kept it local, so I'll bring some uh, a local selection of uh, cheeses. We have a Catskill, Catskill Fire from the Cheese Hound, it's made up state. Uh, she makes amazing cheeses. This one's a little bit spicy. Then we have a smoky gouda from Bright Life, also made locally, also upstate. She's based in she's based in Brooklyn, but she produces upstate. Bright Life also makes amazing yogurts. And then these two are what we make in-house. This is called Heinrich. It's a beer cheese. It's a little bit tangy, uh, strong in flavor, has caraway in it. I like to pair it with mustard and a pretzel uh, bun or something like that. And then this is uh, the other one we make in-house, mild and creamy. We call it Billy. And I just rolled this in um, basil from my garden. So some tomatoes from our garden as well. And um, some gluten-free crackers as well. And then so. do you sell all those cheeses at the shop as well? Everything. All of these are available in the shop, yes. All right. Well, tell us. why don't you tell us the story of Riverdale cheese? Um, yeah. So the story, I think, when started already a few years ago... Um, well, I always liked cheese. Then I became vegetarian, then I became vegan. And when I turned vegan, I was like, you know, I really want to find some great cheese. So I started looking for some um, great vegan cheese, something you would put on a cheese plate and everyone would enjoy it, vegan or not. And at the same time, I started experimenting with making some cheeses myself. So, you know, some things worked out, some didn't. And, and then I thought it was would be great to just have a place where you can go in and you know that everything you pick up is vegan. And you could get a decent cheese selection because to find vegan cheeses, you you can order them online. Um, You can find them in some supermarkets, but they may have one or two, maybe three if you're lucky. But to really go in a shop and there are big shelf full of, of vegan cheeses, that just didn't exist. And I think that's where the idea came from that plus I thought it was would be great to just own a little shop and focus on something that I'm passionate about and that's being vegan and food so that kind of where the idea came from and you've been open since 2015 did you open November last year yeah it's November not even last been a year yeah and how's it been going so far very good yeah the recent people have really really excited about it, very welcoming, everyone's so excited, um, people in the neighborhood as well, even, you know, people that are not vegan, they were like, oh, this is a great shop, I find other stuff as well, and at the same time, we give them, like, vegan sam- uh, cheese samples and so on, so everyone's been really excited, and it's been, so far, it's been really good. Have you had that customer come in, a lot of times before people become vegan, they're vegetarian, mm-hmm. and then cheese is, is typically the mm-hmm. last to go. Yeah. So have you had like non-vegan people come in who have said, oh, I'd love to be vegan, but mm-hmm. I can't because of yeah. cheese? And how, I mean, yeah. have you had anyone really transform from being introduced to this type of cheese? Yeah, actually, we did have a few people that came back and said like, we're vegan now. 
this was it. This is what we needed. And now we know where we find good cheese. And now we, you know, we can, we can ditch that as well. So yeah, we do have a lot of people. We also have a lot of people that say, you know, I'm doing this 30 day challenge. What can I, you know, I want something on my sandwich. I want something on a cheese plate and so on. So, uh, we help them and we always have a good amount of samples. Um, not all the cheeses, but we do have a good amount of samples available whenever someone wants to know how something tastes. So if they're looking for something, we give them a couple of cheese samples so then they have an idea what they like, what they don't like. Because just like with any any food or any cheese, there are things you like, there are things that you don't like. You know, it's, it's a matter of personal taste. Um, a lot of people think that you know, there's the stigma of vegan cheese, what, you know, what was available a few years ago, which was highly processed and maybe not so exciting. And a lot of people said, well, I tried it once. It wasn't that good. But that's changed. We, we hardly have any highly processed cheeses on our shelves. Everything's very artisanal, very handmade, very homemade looking, very um, high quality ingredients, minimally processed. So it's nice to have people come in and just be curious and wanting to find out more and yeah looking for help and it's great to help them and you know help them make that last uh, step well I was I think I said to you in an email like I was a cheeseaholic you know yeah. and, and that was the last <laughs> thing for me to go and I remember I was working with a nutritionist and I thought I had a really healthy diet I was just kind of feeling tired and mm-hmm. so maybe I thought I had an iron deficiency so I had I hired someone to help me while I was training for my first um, long triathlon. And I remember she came back to me and said, you know, first of all, the iron's not your problem. You Mm -hmm. know, it was something small, like I wasn't getting enough carbohydrates, which was Mm. actually really good news. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's like the best news you can get. (laughs) But she said, I'm really concerned about how much cheese you're eating. I'm really concerned. You have it with every meal and Mm. you have it in between meals. Mm -hmm. And I, that was the first, it was almost like, the first time, uh, you know, somebody maybe who has like body dysmorphia looking into the mirror and actually seeing what they, that was the first time that I actually saw like, wow, I really am. And she said, this is not a heart healthy way to eat. Mm-hmm. So, and I loved like the smoked Gouda mm-hmm. and the goat cheese and yeah. really, really, I just loved the nice high quality aged um, mm-hmm. cheeses. And I have to tell you, we just went into your shop and we had what I would compare to like a goat cheese. And it mm-hmm. had, it was cashews and lemon and it was mm-hmm. like rolled in uh, cracked pepper. Mm-hmm. Absolutely yeah. delicious. And we had it with um, a baguette. We had some baguette with it. It was unbelievable. I mean, we were, it took a couple of bites and I just said, there's, there's just absolutely <laughs> no reason why you have to use cow's milk yeah. to create yeah. this. Yeah. It's um, delicious. Yeah. It's it's so much more of a clean source. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's probably a lot of fat in it because it's got the cashews and things like that. But yeah, it's not holding the cholesterol levels that yeah. dairy carries. Yeah. And that is yeah. what is so detrimental to to so many people. I mean, high cholesterol is mm-hmm. it's it's absolutely rampant in our society, yeah. and people are you know that and high blood pressure. It's like the silent killers. It's what's mm-hmm. killing people. So getting off the dairy and getting into into some of these delicious nut cheeses it's it's like it's like there was no 
you never lo- there was nothing lost it, yeah. it only gained and yeah. so to go back to when i was working with that nutritionist i remember thinking well i still want my cheese but maybe i'll try some rice cheese and and then it was just like the highly processed like individually <laughs> yeah, exactly. wrapped it was awful and i was pairing it with like awful the first like generation of mock meats and i was like it was just disgusting no. yeah so i guess what i'm saying is that as an ex cheeseaholic i can yeah. speak to the quality and the taste and just the indulgence of these cheeses. They're absolutely yeah. delicious. And I'm like drooling over this plate in front of us. <laughs> it looks so good. So you said the, the inspiration for the shop kind of came to you as a natural process from making cheeses at home and all of that. But what, what was the moment when you decided to jump and open the shop? I think there were a few things. Um, my previous career was coming to a point where it just I wasn't happy anymore. And I knew that but I didn't just want to drop it. I had a lot of responsibility and I wanted to make sure that I just don't leave. And, you know, um, I wanted to make sure that everything was taken care of before I said, okay, this is it. So I decided to, I planned for that. It was like the last year probably of my previous career, I had kind of thought about what am I going to, what am I going to do afterwards and how do I make the transition? Um, at the same time, my husband also wanted to take some time off. So we decided we would just, I would quit. He was going to take a sabbatical and we'd do some traveling first. And then he would go back to work and I would dedicate my time to actually make this work. And I was starting out with just writing a business plan, which, you know, sounds very easy. You have your idea in your head and you think like, it's just a piece of paper. But it was a lot more elaborate. Um, but for me, I'm rather methodical so I needed to go through these steps and had it all planned before I would take that leap and when I made that leap then finally to say like okay here's the deposit for uh for an um a shop and this is really gonna happening I I just wanted to be well prepared so yeah it was a combination of knowing that my previous career was not what I wanted to do anymore my passion that kind of had shaped in the back of my head for a while now and then actually making it into a plan was yeah that's kind of what what helped me to to get to get started but also the very first time I remember the very first time when I said it out loud is actually when it became real and that was I joined um, Vegan Main Street Academy you know how you introduce yourself in the beginning and I said I'm gonna open a vegan cheese shop and that was the first time I put it out there outside of my home, outside of talking to my husband about it. And then it became weird. And, you know, when it, once you put it out there, you're kind of being held accountable for it. And then it was like, now it's really going to happen. Now it has to happen. <laughs> um, you know, when I said that, everyone was like, oh, that's fantastic. We need that. That's so cool. Great. I was like, that's great. I'm happy. You know, it's, it's being received well in that group of people. So I guess it's a good thing. Um, and then going through the motions of doing the research and so on. So. so you were in a position that so many people are in right now. Like they've got a job, but they feel like they're starting to come to the end. Like it's time to make yeah. a change and they might have the vision. And so there are the people who are risk takers who are just going to jump and they're going to do it without the business plan. But I love how you're a methodical person because those that that type may take a little bit longer because it's like you got to make sure all the ducks yeah. are in a row yeah. and all of that. But 
taking some time to do the business plan. And I think it's when it's you're pursuing your dream when you get home from work that job that you don't love anymore mm-hmm. you know bring your passion into creating the business plan to take the next step so we always talk about like keeping the momentum going mm-hmm. every day even if it's just researching how to write yeah. a business plan right yeah and then would you say that when the time came for you to make the switch like did you just know yeah i did i I don't know where and how, but at some point I just knew that that's what I was going to do. And I think it's just, it's, you know, you have this idea in your head and it, it's there all the time and, you know, it's getting more concrete and it get, you know, you think it through more and so on. And eventually it's just, you know, that that's what you're going to do. And then you try to make it work. Um, sometimes it goes quick. Sometimes it doesn't go so quick. Um, you know, I, for some people, it takes years until they're ready to do it. But I think it, you just know that at some point, that's what you're going to do. So when you and your husband took that time off, so mm-hmm. he took the sabbatical and you're yeah. away from your job, what, yeah. what kind of time frame are we talking here? What was the... A half year. A half year. Yeah. And yeah. were you in deliberation of whether you should go ahead with it? Have you already determined it? Or, or did you second yeah. guess yourself during that time? I deliberately did not think, well, I, of course I thought about it, but I deliberately said, this is time off right now that we, my husband and I are enjoying with the traveling and so on. Um, and I deliberately put it off because I said, okay, you know, when we get back, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do my research and everything. And I'm going to really think it through because it's one thing of having an idea and you think it's great. And all your friends say it's great it doesn't mean it's feasible. So I didn't want to get ahead of myself and go like, oh, this is going to be so great and it's going to be exciting. And then just find out that there wasn't a market for it or people thought, yeah, whatever. Uh, so I didn't want to, you know, get too excited again, because I'm methodical and I'm, I'm a, you know, there's enough risk in taking, uh, in starting a business. I wanted to kind of, you know, be prepared for it. Um, so it, at that time, I did not question it. When I started with the whole research and so on, there were times where I thought, like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I can make this work. Um, so, yeah, there, of course, are times where you question it. And you go, like, yeah, maybe I should not do that. Maybe I should just go back to my corporate job. You know, it's just it seemed a lot easier. <laughs> well, I think that's, that's a key point. Just you took a reset, basically. You yeah. stopped at one point in your life, and you knew that wasn't your passion. Yeah. Reset, go on an adventure. Yeah. And then hit it hard because you knew you were going to hit it hard when you get back and you're going to put everything you had into it, which shows in what you produced at the shop, whether it's from the logo, the branding on the website, the experience you get when you walk in, all of that. I can see coming from a marketing background, I can see it's all thoughtfully put together and it all Thank you. matches Thank you. <laughs> um, the, the time and effort you put into it. So I think, I think it's important to, to note that you took that rest time. You didn't just jump right in. So there's yeah. different ways to go about it. And I think when you're in touch with your mission and your passion, everything will follow through. And for you guys, it was that reset and then yeah. hit it hard. Yeah. I, it was nice to have that reset because I just wanted to have, you know, re-energize as well. I knew it was going to be a lot of work and it is a lot of work. So just to have that time was really great. And so those moments where you thought, oh my God, I don't know if this is going to (laughs) work. What was it that kept you going? Uh, Well, I just didn't want to 
give up that easily. I was like, okay, I haven't, I mean, you know, if I fail, there's always a risk of failure. And I was like, okay, I can do as much research as I want. I, I didn't want to be put off that early in the game just by before you even open the doors. You know, the shop's not been open a year. It's still a lot of work. There's still so much we have to figure out. We still have to grow, of course. Um, but I thought, you know, I'll at least I'll give myself a, but one or two years. And if I can make it work, that's great. And if not, at least I tried. I just didn't want to be saying like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to do it. Plus, then I thought, what if someone else does it? <laughs> then I thought, like, it is a good idea. Oh. When I go in and then you know, someone else opens it and I go in the shop and I was like, oh, I wish I would have done that. You know how you have sometimes these thoughts and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm just going to do this. You know what? Of course I can fail, but you know, I, it's been my idea for such a long time and I didn't want the idea to just disappear and, you know, never, um, become an actual, uh, an actual place where people could see it and so on. So yeah, I, yeah, I just, there was too much of me in there that I thought like, no, I just can't, cannot just give up so early. Um, you asked yourself a question that, um, when I'm working with people, I ask them when they say, you know, and they're expressing that they really want to do something and everything, but then they have that fear. I always will ask them to ask themselves if you don't do it, how is that going to feel? Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's always, I always find that that's a really easy answer, um, easy question to answer. Like they've got that. It's like, yeah. well, God, if I give up on this, yeah, that's yeah. going to feel awful. Yeah. And so there has to be, um, you have to be willing to walk into the unknown yeah. to do something like this. And so you said you're methodical. Would you call yourself, like, would you consider yourself to be intuitive? Or do you, are you more of like the kind of like you like to see it on the paper and keep it organized? No, see, I love that. That's great. Yeah. I'm, I'm the total opposite, but that's more like how BJ is. And I think that's more of like the people that I'm working with are more like that, just like I, I want to see it. So I guess the real question underneath all of that is, did you feel anything within you, like a little voice or anything within you that was just like, come on, keep going, keep yeah. going? Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, because it's, it's, you know, it's my project, it's my idea. And of course I want to keep going and want to, want to show what I want. I want to, want people to see it. So yes, there was definitely this little voice and this passion. Yeah. So that, that helped you kind of get through those yeah, tougher absolutely. parts. Absolutely. Especially once you have a certain vision, you just want to see it happening. You know, it's, yeah, I guess, you know, you're methodical. You want to see things, right? <laughs> and did that, vision, thing. did that vision get stronger and stronger, like more yeah. clear as oh, you yeah. get closer? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. In your support circle. So as you come up with new ideas, you know, there's the people that jump on board and they're right behind you and they're supporting yeah. you. But then you get some people, usually sometimes family members, <laughs> that are like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you're leaving yeah. your corporate job. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, my, my parents, of course, there, there was not you know what, a vegan cheese shop? Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the whole vegan concept's very strange to them anyway. So, um, and, you know, a vegan cheese shop that was just, and you have such a great job, you know, why would you do that? And so, yeah, you know, they were rather concerned. Some outside factors. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're going to have the naysayers. And how did you work with that, that energy? You know, 
my parents live in Europe, so they don't travel much. So they've never come here. <laughs> They'll never come and see it anyway. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? It really doesn't matter really to them where I go to work every day. I'm assuming sense. they're not vegan or are they no, vegan? <laughs> no. no, no, not at all. That's why, you know, it's this whole veganism is sure. a very strange concept for them. <laughs> and where do, they, where do they live in Europe? In Austria. And that's where you're yeah. from? Yeah. And what's the vegan scene like over there? Do you know? Do you go it's visit? It's getting really good. Mm. A few years ago, it wasn't much. And where my parents live, it's very remote countryside. Um, one of my sisters became vegan. Her two daughters are vegan as well. So they keep, you know, feeding me news of what's going on. Oh, that's so cool. And I went back three years ago and we stayed in Vienna for a few days. And Vienna is a small city compared to New York, but they have two vegan supermarkets old vegan supermarkets. So I was blown away. Then we take the train and they have a vegan option on the train menu. So again, I was blown away. I was like, wow, this is, you know, five years ago, that was not there. And then um, my sister tells me that this very remote countryside has once a month as a vegan meetup in a pub, which cooks vegan for them on that very day. So that's so cool. That was, and, you know, for those countries being such, very heavy meat countries that's a great step and we I do go back there once every other year or something like that and we usually like to travel some other countries in in Europe and I see it in a lot of countries we went to Italy last year same you know a lot more vegan options available so it's getting there but and it seems almost a little bit faster or maybe because I only see it like every two years so you know it's like a fast forward um, kind of movie then. <laughs> I hear that it is moving pretty fast over yeah. there, but I've got a lot of hope for us here. And I hear that Brooklyn is quite a vegan friendly area. Is yes. that correct? Oh yeah. I definitely. was reading, um, prior to your shop opening, I was reading a little bit about like the, the coverage that you were getting. And there was one comment like, of course, Brooklyn's yes. getting a vegan <laughs> cheese shop. Of I saw that one, yes. <laughs> yeah. Which is great. So I want to get into your story because I want to learn, I want to learn about what you were eating when you were growing up. But I, I, I want to ask you one thing is, can you share with us what you were doing prior to, what was your job prior to opening the shop? Yeah, I worked at an online company uh, for online hotel reservations and I um, ran their sales department. I was a sales director. I had about 350 employees, uh, about 20 different offices, and I traveled 80% of the time throughout the U.S. and Canada. Um, and I started out, out actually, I came to the U.S. Uh, because of my job. I came here and started the whole um, the whole business from scratch, basically. So I... I our head office was based in Amsterdam. They sent me here about, what, 10 years ago now, I think, <laughs> to start it. And, you know, so the whole starting something from scratch and kind of you're really going door to door um, wasn't new. So I had, I felt like that was something that, that's a, trans, you know, somewhat of a transferable skill, uh, market development and, you know, building something up. So that was, uh, I, that prepared me a little bit and, our former CEO was was an entrepreneur, and he instilled that these entrepreneurial ideas a little bit in us as well. So, so I think that helped me to oh, start absolutely. this business. We were actually interviewing somebody the other day who was a teacher, and same kind of thing. Like needed, she was just like, I'm I, I'm done teaching. Like mm-hmm. I have to I have to do this other thing. I have to follow my passion. And the funny thing now is that he is 
working with his passion, you know, educating people on, you know, the ethical treatment of animals mm-hmm. and all of this stuff. And he'll be coming up in an, in an upcoming show, but he's essentially teaching. Right. Yeah. Right. So we look back. So mm-hmm. this is what I want. I want to share with people because I see this all the time yeah. and I see it even in the life that BJ and I are living now yeah. is that everything we did leading up to this mm-hmm. had, we are using it. Right. We're yeah. using it. Like yeah. it, it allowed us, like we took the jump, like when, when we get fearful about taking these yeah. risks, cause it's like, Oh God, what if it doesn't work out? Blah, blah, yeah. But you had already built a, a massive business from scratch just because the business already existed. It didn't exist here. Yeah. That everything we do is preparing us for what's to come. And I, and I believe that even in the challenges, like the challenges that we face, they're preparing us for future mm-hmm. challenges. So there's always things to learn, but I want to kind of assure people of that, that something, whatever they're doing now they're probably going to take some of those skills yeah. and they're really going right. to help them as they pursue yeah. their dream because there is, there is no mistake yeah. and we take it all with us. Yeah. We take it all with us. And I think that's for whenever you, whoever considers a career change, whether it's starting a business or just changing a career, I think if you go back and see actually what is what did I do in the past or experience in the past that may be helping me or is relevant to what I'm doing in the future. So sometimes you see that there are similarities, even if what you're planning to do is so very different, but there's probably something you can look back on and find that, you know what, that's a skill or that's an experience that will probably help me in this. I think a lot of people forget that actually, that, you know, even if it's something new, if they're starting a new chapter, there is something in the past that will help them. Like you said, there's something in the past that prepared them for that. And it's not a waste of time, you know, no matter what your career is. Um, you can look back and say, I just spent 10 years of my life and I just wasted it doing this. But there is, there are high points and, you know, I can speak to it directly as well. The past 20 years I've been working web design and marketing mm-hmm. and it's all led me to the point where now I can use those skills for mm-hmm. our, our own business. Yeah. It's just to keep an open mind. Everything, yeah. just keep moving forward. Make sure you're happy. Make sure you're doing what you love and yeah. everything will just flow. Yeah. Yeah. And nothing is ever a waste. Like if somebody thinks that something's a waste, like that's, that's us putting that, that meaning to it. Yeah. Like nothing's a waste. So yeah. those sayings of like hindsight is twenty twenty and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. I mean, they, it really is like the puzzle always kind of gets fit together. So, yeah. all right, let's, let's talk about how you were brought up. Cause it sounds like maybe <laughs> you were brought up with some, uh, some animals on your plate. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> was your dad was your dad like a hunter or a farmer or um no, but we had countryside. I grew up at the countryside, very remote, beautiful countryside. And my grandmother had a farm that my uncle then um, took over and my my dad my family lived close by that farm. My dad would always be at the farm helping out and I would be with him. And that's where my the love for animals stems from. I always loved animals. I always liked to be around them. I guess it took me just more than 30 years to put that, you know, all together. Like, you know, I love animals and I eat them. So there's something wrong with that. But I brought up with like, that's what you do. And, you know, I would be around animals being slaughtered at the farm because the butcher will come. And, you know, and it's what you, uh, that's how you're raised. Um, That's, you know, that's what animals are there for. So... You know, it took me a while to kind of say, like, no, actually, that's not true. So, yeah. Do you do you remember, like, your first 
mo like one of the first moments where that connection was starting to be made because I mean, we're talking about the majority of people out there that they love animals. They mm -hmm. love animals. Yeah. But then they're eating animals. So yeah. they're they're separating the fact that their dog is different from yeah. a cow. And yeah. it's not. Yeah. Um, they're the same. They're still like there's a soul that drops into this yeah. body and it's it's really it's not that much different than than us dropping into our bodies. So do you remember kind of those earliest moments or how old you were when you started to put that together that it didn't it didn't make sense anymore? Well, I I think the the, there was a, a period where there was a time when I read this article where I read that, you know, cow, uh, pigs are is, have the same intelligence level as a dog. And then I thought, like, why is it not okay to eat a dog, but it's okay to eat a pig? You know, just because someone said, well, that's what we always do. And then also, I, I lived in Korea for a short period of time, and they eat dogs. It's totally normal to eat a dog there. Whereas we Europeans or Western, you know, uh, frowned upon that. And I just thought that very strange. Why is it, you know, why do we differentiate that? Um, but yeah, that article about the intelligence level of animals, that's when it started dawning on me that that's probably not, you know, we, we cannot do that. They do understand. They do have feelings. A pig recognizes someone that treats them well and is happy if they see you. And then I had to think back when I was little and I would come and feed, you know, with my grandma, I would go out and in, to the pigs and they were always happy and cute. I would have bunnies that I would name, but, you know, they would be eaten. But my parents wouldn't tell me that those were bunnies. They said it's something else. So, you know, it dawned on me when I, when I started having this realization that, you know, thinking back of how I grew up, that, it maybe was there already, but you just kind of told that that's the way it is. I mean, I remember my uncle saying, like, well, that's just the way it is, you know? They just, once they can't give milk anymore, that gets slaughtered. And once the chicken doesn't lay eggs anymore, it goes in a soup. You know, it's, I remember thinking it was strange, but then you're just being brought up and said, like, it's, that's the way it is. Yeah, so. we recently went to a talk with um, Dr. Will Tuttle. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of his book, The World mm -hmm. Peace Diet? It's yeah. a beautiful book. And he talks about how once we make the connection that a lot of people feel really guilty. Yes. And so what do you do with that? Yeah. So he says, you just repeat to yourself every day. And it's something along these lines and, and probably misquoting him, but it's like, I was just doing what I was told to yeah. do and it ended up not being that good for me. Yeah. Right. And, and that's all I was just doing what I was just taking the bad advice of yeah. other people who had taken the bad advice of yeah. other people. And, and it's okay. It's yeah. what I did, but I don't do it anymore. Yeah. So how old were you? Do you remember when you read that article? Like that wasn't too long ago, actually. It was, I mean, probably it was maybe 10, 15 years ago or something like that. So that's kind of when I then said, let's, you know, cut down. Um, and then we, you know, then you look for the humane meats, right? Oh my God, totally. It's totally humane, the progression. Yeah. Totally. And then a few years later, I read that, and then I was already here in New York, and then I read that, you know, you know, even if these animals are lovingly raised by farmers and so on, they go through horrible, horrible slaughterhouses because there are so very few slaughterhouses, especially in the state of New York. So they do all have to go through these massive slaughterhouses where they are just, you know, you know the horror stories. 
Um, it's, it's, I don't know, in a way it's like almost worse. It's like they have this amazing life yeah. and then they go and, to, then, and then they're like, whoa, what's this? Yeah, you know? exactly. At and least the other yeah. ones are like just living in a daily from hell start, yeah. from yeah, the start. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, so this whole humane thing and then I was like, yeah. you know what, I think I'm just going to not eat meat anymore. And that's how it started and I cut out the meat. And then, you know, you start reading the same thing about the dairy industry. And yeah, the last thing I gave up was cheese. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. of course. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, it took me a long time to make the, the actual connection because just like anyone else, I was also said, you know, so said like, well, what am I going to eat? And, you know, it's an inconvenience. Where do I, what do I do? And, you know, then you, you know, your mom makes your favorite food and of course it has meats in it. You know, it's, there's so many things that, yeah, the, you start realizing that you have to, it's it's a larger change that you have to go through. I don't think once I made the decision, I didn't think it was that difficult. It's more a psychological change, I think, that you just have to go through and get comfortable with. And you, I think you have to be more uncomfortable with the fact that you're eating animals. And then once you're really uncomfortable with that fact, I think everything else is very simple. Yeah, it's just, um, I mean, you're, you're, you're breaking like ritual. I mean, this is ritual. And... You know, BJ grew up with an Italian mother, so there was always like mm-hmm. tons of meatballs and yeah. sausages and yeah. all of that. And yeah. I grew up with, you know, the roast in the oven all day on Sunday mm-hmm. or the crock pot going and that's yeah. what we would eat. And for me, from a very young age, I understood that there was some kind of disconnect. I didn't understand it, but I did it anyway yeah. because I thought that was that was food and that was what you were supposed yeah. to eat. Yeah. And so I think all of us pretty much have have done that, but it's, you know, I think educating yourself is huge and there's Mm -hmm. so many great documentaries out there that are, that are, that are pretty easy to watch. I mean, there's some that are really intense, some that I haven't actually even been able to watch like earthlings and things like that. Yeah. I mean, just educating on the nutritional piece of it is a great place to start. Forks over knives. I always say that one, forks over knives. Yeah. But just trying alternatives so right. things have advanced yeah. so much oh, and yeah. i can't personally speak to that i mean we're we're only into this for four years now but there's just the taste of everything is mm-hmm. so delicious oh yeah that there is no reason why yeah you need to have the other stuff absolutely and i totally agree and you know so many you know for some people it's like you know what what am i going to eat or what what do you eat i always get the question i go like I don't know. I eat so much. I mean, it's not like I look like I had to get any food, you know, um, find that very difficult to answer because there's so much and it's, it's so good. And you know, whether you want meat alternatives or, or not, I mean, it's just, I think it actually, once we started removing meat from our plate, I actually thought my horizon expanded in terms of what's out there. I started using foods that I'd never considered trying before. And that's very interesting, you know, and I think that's what I always advise people when they say like, you know, what's, what did you find useful or what's, if someone just wants to get started in being vegetarian or vegan, I always say just focus on what you, what the new things you can have and don't focus on what you cannot have anymore. And and then I think, again, it's, it's, I think it's a psychological mindset. Then Sunday you don't, you don't feel like you're giving things up. Because I feel that some people think that they're giving things up. And I don't know that that's the right 
attitude towards it. No, it's just a shift. I mean, giving things up to me sounds like a deprivation and and you're anything but deprived when you're Mm -hmm. eating this way. Yeah. And the, the idea of so many people walk into this and they are, they're so confused. They have no idea. But Mm -hmm. again, it's this breaking down of ritual and it's adopting this new mindset and it's no different than what we were talking about earlier with you leaving your job and starting something new. It's walking into the, into the, the unknown and understanding that, I mean, there's so much support these days. There's so much going on. So let's talk a little bit about these cheeses. Like we hear a lot about nut cheese and, you know, I can whip up some cashew cream in my Vitamix and things like that. But these aged, like, um, beautiful handcrafted cheeses, like, can you give us, um, kind of an idea of, of how they're made? Where did you start? Where did you, what, what did you first start making at home? What I first started making at home was, I think I started making with um, something with soy milk. So I got Miyoko, uh, Miyoko's book about vegan cheeses. That's how. I, that's actually what started me off on on making cheese at home. That's how I, and I think the first thing I made was some sort of beer cheddar or something like that, mm. which was delicious. That sounds <laughs> so good. <laughs> so yeah, I think I pretty much made every cheese in her book some turned out okay some were like really good others were maybe not so exciting (laughs) at least didn't quite come out the way it's supposed to be but yeah I just started doing research online and basically the easiest way you can start is really with your just nuts and well some people say you make nut paste Um, I try not to say that because it's so much better than just nut paste but yeah Cashews, macadamia nuts are great. Um, almond, almonds are great as well. Um, use raw nuts. The um, you know, and of course we use we use um, organic, and a lot of our cheesemakers use organic ingredients. And you know, you find something to ferment them with. You could ferment them with like the one cheese we have here is we use beer to ferment it. So, yes, we grind the nuts up and we used to beer to ferment it and we ferment it for a few days. Um, uh, in this one, we use something called Rechubalac, which is a fermented, fermented grains, basically, only the liquids. And that's what helps the fermentation process. And you could also just use acidophilus, you could use kefir, you could use wine. So there, whatever has bacteria that helps the fermentation process you can use for fermentation. And then you put it into a sealed, like, glass jar or... Um, yeah, glass is good, or a plastic uh, bowl or something that, uh, like that. And then we cover it with cheesecloth because if you make it airtight, it, it basically it can't breathe really, and then you, you get, you know, it's not sweating and it can get moldy as well. If you make it at home, you can also use it at uh, room temperature covered with a cheesecloth or something like that. We use dehydrators for it because they have a more, it's a more protected environment and the temperature stays the same throughout the fermentation process. But before I used the dehydrator, I just had them ferment them at home. But it's just, you know, doesn't always work perfectly because you just don't know what's in the air. <laughs> right, right. Um, but it, it generally works. You can just ferment them at home. And, you know, you can use anything to flavor them. Uh, you can use herbs. You could use more beer. You could use, in this one, we have caraway. You can use peppercorn. Um, in the, the 
this one from the cheese hound, she uses uh, pimento peppers, for example. So you can use, you can then get creative and try different things. Um, but there are also some of our the the cheese makers that we have in the shop. Some of them um, actually make nut milk and make the cheese from from that. So it's similar to a cheese making process with with dairy. So you then you know curdle the milk and so on, and like you would do with dairy milk. Mm. But fermentation, same with you know use some sort of bacteria to ferment it. Are all the cheeses made with nuts, or is there an alternative? to that from i mean most of the cheeses we carry in the shop are made of nuts uh, we do have a few soy cheeses this is one that's made with soy milk for example um but 80 percent of our cheeses are made of nuts what about seeds do you ever do like with hemp seeds can you make because i'm thinking about nut people with nut allergies mm-hmm. so they could do the yeah. soy um pending they're not allergic to that but yeah um have there you ever is seen anything with seeds not purely with mm-hmm. seeds. This one, for example, has hemp seeds in it. And there is a really great uh, mozzarella that we have in the shop that's made of macadamia milk and hemp milk. But purely with, with seeds, not yet. Uh, we are experimenting with something that is seeds only or something like that, you know, for people that are uh, allergic to nuts. Because we do have some people that come in that are allergic to nuts. And some of them, you know, go for the, the soy-based cheeses, but some people don't want the soy either. So we've been experimenting, um, but it's not quite there. It's there's still, you know, some get, some of the seeds can be very bitter. Pumpkin's nice, but it gets very green and also can get bitter after, you know, if you, and I like to age the cheeses. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I'm still working on something like that. I think that will be the next thing because we do have a lot of people that are asking for that. And we were talking before the um, before we started recording about how Riverdale really is one of the first of its kind, so that there are some other cheese mm-hmm. shops um, in the states. But how is this one? How how does this one differ? How does yours differ from the others that are out there? And where are the others? Just in case anybody's listening, yeah. <laughs> um, and they're not in the Brooklyn, New York City area, yeah. they, to get here. Well, there is um, Fromage in LA, and there is Vitopia uh, in Oregon, Portland, Oregon, um, and then there's another one here in Brooklyn at Stock the Cow, and. The way we are different is that we focus on really having one of the largest selections of cheeses. We do make our own cheese, but it's not our um, main focus. It's nice because we do have some nice cheeses, but most of our inventory, you know, 95% of our inventory are other brands. Whereas some of the other cheese shops, Dr. Cow focuses on selling their own cheese, uh, so does Fromage. And uh, Vitopia does sell some of the other brands as well, but they also it's it's a cafe and a shop and so on, uh, so they do have some other uh, products. But you know they have a large selection of their own cheeses as well. So the way that ours is different is re- different is really just having the largest selection um, that we can possibly have from all over the country. I'm really trying to get some European brands in. It's just not that easy. Um, but yeah, I, you know, really having the largest selection of cheeses at one, one place where you go and you'll find something, whether you want something, you know, spicy or something mild or something creamy or something firm, there is some sort of cheese available for you. 
And have you guys thought about doing anything like in the future online where people can buy the cheeses, especially your own signature yeah. brands? We do get a lot of questions for it. And I, the short answer is no. <laughs> I was thinking, <laughs> how do you ship them and everything? Exactly. There's so much that goes into that. And there are a few online stores out there that only do that. And they do it very well. My vision was always to have a brick and mortar store. I never wanted to be an online store. We do get a lot of lot of requests, but with our shop right now, and you've seen it, it's small. We have no storage. So even if I wanted to ship, I wouldn't know where I would store the boxes, the ice packs, the extra the cheese we have to make. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into it, and it was just never uh, our focus. But... Yeah, we do get a lot of questions and I always refer people to um, the online jobs that are out there that do such a great job. It's not, you know, it, it's not our our focus. So. What about local restaurants and supplying to, to get sort of like your product in the face of customers yeah. who may not come into the store? Yeah, I am. That's the next thing I'm going to work on. And I've been already um, dabbling in that a little bit, but you know, it's our first year, so I didn't want to be too distracted by that. But I just dropped off some cheeses to the Natural Gourmet Institute. They're having a, um, a Oktoberfest coming up, so they may feature some of our cheeses. Um, a restaurant down the street from where our shop is, um, I dropped some cheeses off there because just to have that available, it's a, um, it's a Mexican restaurant, so... They may just put it on a menu. And then I can also say to our customers and say, like, hey, you know, there's a restaurant that has vegan cheeses. And, yeah, I mean, that is something I, I want to look into a little bit, yeah. And we were talking on the just on the, the subway over here about pizza shops. Like, pizza, like, I'm craving pizza right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, the, but the option for us to go in and get a pizza is to say, can we have, you know, a bunch of vegetables on pizza yeah. with no cheese? right. Yeah, so you're missing exactly. one of the greatest things out yeah, there. I know the melty gooiness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that would be in the business plan phase two or three. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> so how has the first year gone? Very well. It's actually been, you know, I mean, knock on wood, better than expected. I am very happy with it so far. Every week, every month is just a new experience. I mean, August is very slow. You know, I kind of expected it, but then at the same time you were, and you go like, I hope the people are going to come back after come back on vacation and so on. So, you know, you have your, you, you have your worries, you have your doubts all the time. And then, you know, I'm always looking for other things that I can do. And we're going to start uh, with online ordering for our sandwiches. It's, that's also something our sandwiches have become very popular. I never meant it to be a main thing for us, but you know, we do sell a lot of our They're so delicious. Sandwiches. We just... In the names of them. Yeah, <laughs> like I just had a grilled cheese. Like, do you know how long it's been since I've had a grilled cheese? It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And BJ had one of um, what used to be our favorite sandwiches, which is the mozzarella, the tomato, mm, and he yeah. had that. And it's, it's just so great because you're bringing back these classics. Yeah. But you're bringing yeah. them in a way where you don't feel deprived. Right. Um, and they're just, they're extra delicious. They're really, really oh, good. You. So I can see yeah. that those, I don't think you need to expand <laughs> these sandwiches. Like you've got all the basics covered. Yeah. So it's been good. What's been the biggest challenge? Uh, well, the biggest challenge, I mean, uh, you know, the few, which is to be expected. Um, 
you know, kind of, uh, well, I don't know. I don't know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cause living your dream doesn't come without, without challenge. Yeah. It I, comes with challenge. I kind of, you know, I, I worry does it, you know, do I do enough? Do I really reach out enough? Um, does everything, you know, do people like it and so on? So I think that's my biggest challenge to kind of, you know, make sure that we really do what the customers actually like and not just something I think is great. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and staying relevant. Um, and I think that's, you know, it's a worry. And I guess that's, you know, a challenge as well. Yeah, because we always want to do, um, we always want to do better, right? Like there's yeah, always, yeah, we, no we say the same yeah. thing, like every podcast, I'm like, I hope that was good enough. <laughs> but the thing is, is that it is, it just is, right? Like in you're connecting with people and you're serving a purpose and you're, um, you're helping people move from dairy to, to non-dairy, like a yeah. non-dairy life is so much lighter yeah. in so many ways. Yeah. So, um, and the business is going well and you're still walking into the unseen every month because you haven't even yeah. had a full year on the yeah. books. But you know, if we had this conversation in five years, you'd be like, oh yeah, it ebbs and flows. August is down, yeah. September is right. up. Yeah. yeah. Our, my, my 10 shops across New York, you know, this one is doing well. <laughs> this one, we're opening up two more here. Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think that's that's something to aspire to, and I think when you start thinking about am I doing enough, think about the the unique individuals that are coming in and that you're touching. Each person then goes out and tells other people, and yeah. it's all part of this plant based movement, vegan movement, you know, worldly movement. Whatever is happening right now in the world, yeah. there's momentum picking up in this field, and and people are curious, and they're mm -hmm. they're more curious than ever. Yeah. And having the accessibility of a shop like yours so conveniently located next to the big city, yeah. I think is is testament to the growth of this this movement. And yeah. I think people just need to come down to your shop, um, <laughs> make the trip like we did, and try these cheeses. I'm not a big, as my wife is a big cheeseaholic, I am not a big cheeseaholic, <laughs> but I absolutely loved my lunch and the cheese and bread that we had as a snack. So it yes. is phenomenal. Great. And I can't wait to dive into this cheese platter. It's in front of us. <laughs> I know. So I know I can't wait either. So we're going to wrap it up. Um, what's, what's next? What are you, what are you seeing for year two or, um, what's the, what's the grand vision? So next year, so in the next few months we'll be expanding, well, into online ordering for our sandwiches and, uh, we're planning to do a little bit more uh, markets where we where we do sell our cheeses and where we go with our sandwiches just to reach other you know other parts of the city. We do have you know customers that just you know they do come to Brooklyn, which is you know I mean I just want to add we are pretty easily accessible. We are close for the subway line and very central located, but still if you come from the Upper West Side, it will take you about 40, 45 minutes. But um, so kind of reach those pockets as well. And like we, like we talked earlier, just, um, being in different, a few restaurants, maybe a few other markets, just, you know, in, on a smaller scale because we have a very limited production space, but it's kind of what I dabble a little bit more in getting into, especially restaurants would be great, especially if they're non-vegans, because then I always feel it reaches a different audience and I, 
I want to get people to think about the vegan options that are out there so that they feel that, you know, you can make the switch and you won't feel deprived of anything. So I always like when I get in front of an audience that's actually not vegan as much as I like to be in front of a vegan audience, but I always like it when I can get non-vegans excited about the cheese. I think that's, you know, when that's, that's what is really fun. When we had a couple of customers that came in and they come in regularly, but they're not vegan, but they just like it. And that's great. <laughs> it is. It's, it's so, it's so good. I mean, it, it, we're so redundant at this point because it really is. It's, it's absolutely exquisite food. The shop is beautiful. Your whole Thank brand you. is gorgeous. And so the person listening who's at their job with their earbuds in pretending to be working right now because they don't <laughs> love their job anymore and they want to, they've got the vision and they want to take that. What would be the, what would be your advice to them? Like they're still at their job. They've got the vision, but they just don't know how to jump or when to jump. Well, I think my advice would be that, you know, yeah, I, if, if what's really important to you and what if you're really passionate about that, it will work out. It may not work out tomorrow, but, you know, look into it, you know, do some research, dabble with it. And, you know, maybe in a few years it will work out. But I think if you've set your mind to it, it can work out. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Just every day, keep the momentum going. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Michaela, thank you so much for welcoming us into your beautiful thank home you. <laughs> with all of these beautiful animals. <laughs> and um, I think we're going to dive into this cheese. Great. Now. Well, yeah. thank you so much for having me. Thank you. It's been, it's been a pleasure. All right, that's it. Another awesome story of someone who is willing to follow the signs of her unhappiness, find another way and create her new professional path, which is serving such a great need. Michaela has literally opened the door to possibility with Riverdale, giving so many people that final reason to move from vegetarian to vegan, and it was all because she was willing to let go of what looked good on paper. So consider this. If we all just live our lives in a certain way because they look good on paper and the numbers add up, regardless of our deep sense of contentment and happiness or lack thereof, I fear, I fear that we're going to lose our sense of adventure, our power of vision, and our strength to see dreams through to fruition. And it's not about just quitting your job blindly. It's about patience and steadfastness to follow the divine timeline that is always in flow. But I guess my final word is, don't wait. If you're sensing a lack of fulfillment in your life, start to get curious about it. Water it every day with an open mind and love. It is an energetic force and it will show itself to you over time. Just moment by moment, let this life unfold. Okay, that's it for this week. I will be back next week with The Beach and our monthly Ask the YTs show. So if you have topics, questions, issues you want to know more about, hit us up on social and let your voice be heard. Until then, let's all stay curious about this grand adventure of life. Resist the negative that is so available and keep riding the high vibe.